0: Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. This is show number 131, released on November 25th, 2015. My name is Steve Yunus and I'm joined by my good friend Scotty V. Hey Scotty.
1: Hello Steve and how are you?
0: I'm doing well, and as we uh, should always mention at the beginning of our show, we're s- proudly sponsored by our good friend and Superman fan, Patrick O'Neill. Thank you, Patrick.
1: Yes, indeed. Thank you.
0: What's uh, what's this past month held for you, Scotty? How's uh, life treating you?
1: Fast. <laughs> I mean, it's just flying by. Uh, I don't know, I think maybe uh, inspired by Clark Kent, but not having the skill to do what he does i've taken up a paper route <laughs> <laughs> cool uh i actually started helping out my brother back in the summer and now i'm doing it on my own um because he was starting another job but uh, the money is just too good and it's a couple of hours and it's really helping out so i'm gonna keep it for a while and try to save for something that i wouldn't normally have the money to save for so nice That'll be good. I'm involved with a the newspaper.
0: In, in there one, you go, in one way or another.
1: In, yeah, so
0: Very cool. Uh, well, I guess we'll get into our discussion topics. It's been a pretty busy month uh, for a lot of different uh, bits and pieces of the Superman world, uh, especially in regards to TV with Supergirl uh, flying high, uh, pun intended, uh, on TV. Uh, so uh, let's start with movie news, as we like to do, and uh, earlier... Uh, in this past month, we had um a plot description that was kind of uh came out of nowhere or well it came out of the u k uh to be specific it came from the uh odeon uh theater chain the cinema chain in the u k uh probably the largest and best known cinema chain and uh they posted uh, on their movie website uh i mean we this following sentence it says at long last." see Batman and Superman square off against each other in Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, an epic superhero showdown which will change both their lives forever. Then it goes on to say, Clark Kent doesn't trust Gotham's mysterious masked vigilante, Bruce Wayne doesn't trust the alien who nearly destroyed Metropolis, and Lex Luthor, who hates Superman more than anyone, is manipulating both of them for his own twisted ends. Uh, We don't know if this is official. We don't know... Uh, where it came from other than that they've posted on their website uh, but it's an interesting one nevertheless
1: well it sounds a lot like i think what a lot of speculation had already been talked about we all assume that dar that uh, darth vader i'm here looking at a picture of star wars <laughs> on my uh desktop because of course we have that coming up but uh, uh lex luthor Notice interesting dichotomy between those two mm. characters but uh I, we figured i think that lex luthor would have something to do with the manipulation of either the populace uh, the politic or possibly even batman himself
0: mm.
1: by this description it seems like he's also manipulating superman as well uh, i guess that makes sense although i would have much rather the description read the alien being who was involved in a battle that nearly destroyed uh, Metropolis, as opposed to the alien who destroyed uh, half of it. It's not like he walked in there and just started destroying things. (laughs) Uh, Yes, some things got destroyed in a battle for the Earth's survival, and we've been through this over and over again, but the the description as written that way places all the blame on this alien who came in and destroyed everything, which Mm. is just very... uh, a very oversimplification and maybe that's the way Batman is going to look at it. And I'm talking to my brother and other people who are more fans of Batman than they are of Superman who say things like, well, if that's the description, then I'm not going to like it because Batman's not that stupid. Batman's not an idiot. Batman's not a fool. Batman wouldn't just get angry. Batman has total control of his emotions. Batman has total control of everything. Batman knows what's going on. And I think this is all part of the build-up over the last 20-25 years of making Batman all of those things, which, as a human being, and one of the arguments people always give for Batman being more interesting is that he has all of these depths that maybe Superman doesn't have. Because the excuse always is, Superman's a Boy Scout, always does everything right, never makes any mistakes, and never does anything wrong. While his Batman is much darker, makes snap decisions on the fly, is a human being, can make mistakes... And has battles go awry for him. So (laughs) the ironic thing is over the last 25 years, they've made Batman into some sort of godlike character that can do everything and is never affected by anything. And yet the people who are fans of Batman still don't seem to be able to see through the fact that the reason they were fans of Batman in the first place is because he wasn't all of the things that Superman was. But now,
0: <laughs> they've
1: almost made Batman over up. the top of where Superman used to be. And yet, that doesn't seem to affect the Batman fans who don't seem to see that. But what I'm saying here is, in the context of this film, I'm, ha- I'm hearing from Batman fans that Batman should definitely be on the top of this argument because he should never be able to be fooled by Lex Luthor. He should never be able to be fooled by anything else. He should be able to see right through the battle, know that Superman was the good guy, know that he wasn't in the wrong, know that he's good, and know that there's nothing to be worried about. And all those things that make him Batman would cause him to know all of that, and he would never have the reaction that he is apparently going to have by being manipulated by Lex Luthor. And I disagree with that. But that's the argument I'm
0: hearing. Mm, Yeah, no, I mean, what you say makes a lot of sense and uh, rings true to me. So, uh, you know, I think uh, Lex Luthor being the master manipulator that he is, uh, it's not just about um, Batman. It's about working with Bruce Wayne and the technology side of things. And so through deals with Bruce Wayne, he might be able to manipulate Batman unbeknownst to to Batman because it's not that Batman doesn't know about it it's just that Lex is working in you know an angle that isn't necessarily that transparent and so uh it'll be interesting to see how Lex Luthor does play out in this film, and I'm looking forward to to seeing that um those relationships but uh an interesting uh insight into possibly something that uh is in the film uh through this description, but uh, as we say we don't know it's, it's an official description. The uh, only official one we have is one that's been around for a while now, talking about um, fearing the actions of a godlike superhero left unchecked. Gotham City's own formidable, forceful vigilante takes on Metropolis's most revered modern-day saviour while the world wrestles with what sort of hero it really needs. With Batman and Superman at war with one another, a new threat quickly arises, putting mankind in greater danger than it's ever, been, ever known before. So that's the, the official description that we uh, have received from Warner Brothers from months ago.
1: I like that one better because it doesn't it doesn't place any blame on Superman mm. in that description. And, you know, as Superman fans, the movie that we saw, although it might be a very smart thing because it seems like half of the superhero movie fandom thinks that the movie was terrible for the same reasons that Bruce seems to be upset with Superman. And that mm. is all the destruction and all the wanton violence and seemingly not caring for the human populace so maybe it's going to help to bring people together whereas right now they're divided as to whether or not man of steel was good or whether or not superman uh you know was was totally careless in the movie and the other thing is and i know this is going to be blasphemy to batman fans the thing about it is is that lex luthor is one of the most intelligent minds on the planet so the argument then is, well, Bruce Wayne is one of the most intelligent minds on the planet. But then I would counter Superman should be one of the most intelligent minds on the planet. He's able to absorb all knowledge. He's able to read books at, at, at a breathtaking speed more than a human being. He's able to absorb all that information. You know, in the old days, they would show that he knew hundreds of languages and he had been to hundreds of different countries and he knew about all their cultures and everything. Uh, they've kind of gotten away from that a little bit. And I guess because they're trying to downsize Superman so that he's not so much greater than everybody else. But my point is the fact that Lex Luthor has the ability to manipulate both Superman and Batman and the uh, much of the populace and politic of of planet earth is a testament to his greatness as a supervillain. He doesn't have superpowers. We've never really seen him this way in the Superman movies previously. So to see him as a, as a scheming manipulative conniving A businessman super scientist highly intelligent technological leader who can who can you know behind the scenes change things around to make things go the way he wants them to is exactly what you want from lex luthor and batman fans may not care because they don't care as much about lex luthor because he's technically a superman villain but the other side of that is Lex Luthor's been a villain for the entire DCU many, many times for the Justice League. He's been involved in lots, you know, and he's always pulling the strings from behind and he's always behind things when they go awry or when they go the way he wants them to go, even if Superman's not around. So seeing him and we haven't seen it yet, but if it sounds like he's manipulating both of them, that's happened in countless comic stories. And it's exactly what Lex Luthor should be doing and therefore makes perfect sense to me that he would be able to manipulate uh, Bruce Wayne or Batman who is supposed to be able to see past these things and be super intelligent and know every answer before he even gets asked the question.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, you raise some good points. Um, I, we've also heard from Charles Roven this month. Um, he's the, uh, one of the producers behind both man of steel and, uh, D- Batman v man, dawn of justice. And, uh, in a interview, a three part interview with collider.com, uh, he made some, uh, interesting revelations, uh, initially they asked him about who are the the brains trust behind the dc universe collective movies and uh you know he obviously zach snyder and his wife and jeff johns and himself and he also mentioned a, a gentleman by the name of john berg he says that uh they were all great people that uh they're all very creative and um they're you know coming together to um to be the i guess they're the, the group behind the scenes who are Formulating the plan for the larger DC universe of movies.
1: Well, I like the idea that there's a team. People have said many times, you know, uh Marvel has their IVA rad or whatever that actually runs the whole thing and makes sure it all fits with continuity and all makes sense. But every time DC brings out a movie, you can tell it's disjointed and it's clumsy and no one knows what's going on because they don't have somebody one person behind the scenes that's actually making everything work. Mm. I don't think even with A.V.A. Rad or Abby or – I'm going to say his name differently every time. Um, I don't think he's one guy. I mean he's the guy. He's the creative overseer or whatever, but he has teams, and they get together, and they actually map things out. And it sounds like that's what they're doing now uh, with the DC movies, so it's nice to know that.
0: Exactly, and uh, he's also made mention – and we've seen a lot this uh, in recent times about Wonder Woman and the Wonder Woman movie is uh, clicking into gear and that's moving forward and we've seen the, the uh, official description and, and cast listings for that. Uh, but he's al- he also mentioned Justice League and he says that uh, Justice League Part 1 is, uh, is going to be filming uh, in the first or second quarter of next year. He mentioned that the, uh, the UK is uh, one of the locations where they'll be filming most of the film. Same with Wonder Woman, so uh, very interesting to see some uh, some forward movement on the Justice League film.
1: Well, we've also seen uh, the first picture, I guess. Of uh, I wasn't sure at first if it was real or not. the The first Wonder Woman shot from the from the actual Wonder Woman movie.
0: Yep. Yeah. No. Uh, just um, came out with her. I don't know why she's in, the in a hood. hood. Yep.
1: I don't know what that's about, but uh, so yeah, it's nice to see these. I think people are really excited about seeing. You know, a female superhero. You know, we have Supergirl on TV now, and 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 we're going to have a, a Wonder Woman movie and kind of uh, a big cornerstone of this universe. So I'm I'm, I'm real happy about
0: that. Yeah. So uh, some forward movement on Justice League uh, with Wonder Woman obviously taking place before that, and uh, interesting to see that's all moving forward, uh, all about to happen. Now beyond uh, Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice, uh, well, not beyond, I guess, as it's, it's far as merchandise is concerned, we've seen a lot of. Uh, you know, uh, items, uh, toys, s- t-shirts, things like that, that will tie into the film, and uh, we possibly got a bit of a spoiler from some of those toys, especially the Lego set, which uh, reveals that they'll. Well, I mean, it talks. It, it's about a, a sky-high battle, and shows Lex Luthor in a um, in a helicopter, one, uh, Lois Lane hanging off the side of the helicopter, uh, Bat- the, you know, Batman uh, in his uh, Batplane with uh, Superman and Wonder Woman also involved in that set uh, it's not confirmed that this is something that will happen in the movie but it wouldn't be the first time that an image or um, artwork from a particular toy or piece of merchandise has revealed something about the movie that we didn't know about
1: it's kind of interesting you know i remember when we were talking about this for man of steel it doesn't even seem that long ago yeah. but the same kind of conversation it was uh it was zod's black zero ship and and uh the, the world Engine. we didn't know it was the world engine at the time mm-hmm. but they were they, we were wondering what it was if it was a ship if they were coming to earth and if it was going to be a team you know and it obviously turned out later on that some of that was kind of spoiler-ish even though i don't think they really used black zero in the movie but It almost seems like they had a cover-up to call it something else. But same thing going on here with these different sets and things. It's funny the way they seem to – they want to clamp down on all the secrets from the movie. But then they pretty early release what the names of sets are going to be and pictures from them and things that we haven't yet seen in previews and things that appear to be in the movie and based on Man of Steel experience will be in some way or another.
0: Mm. And uh, beyond that, we also got some Hot Wheels uh, items, some, uh, what would you call them? Little miniature cars and things. Uh, We've got um, eight new Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman vehicles. Now, obviously, the Batmobile will be one of those vehicles in that set. I wouldn't imagine that Superman and Wonder Woman will have cars in the film. So, nothing spoilerish there. (laughs) It'd
1: be funny if they were driving around. (laughs) I remember back in the Super Friends days, they all had, like, uh, the, the, the super. Whatever they would call it, it was like a vehicle. It was a car, but it had guns and it had different things on it. Superman would have one. He'd be driving around, you know. Flash had one. He, you know, and Flash
2: <laughs> runs run. around
1: <laughs> everywhere. Why would he, you know? But uh, and then, of course, you have Wonder Woman and her in her invisible plane, which I'm 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 sure we're going to see in this movie.
0: Yeah. Now, beyond that, we've also had some um, uh, previews of uh, Japanese toy uh, for the Mafex Batman v Superman action figures, expected to be about six inches tall. Uh, We've had T-shirts, some interesting uh, T-shirts, some from Graffiti Design, who obviously uh, are well-known, but also some from uh, a different company called uh, Merchoid. And these ones are a bit more negative. Uh, The images, they've got the Superman False God image. Superman's got horns on his head, and they've got False God uh, stamped over the front of his uh, image. There's the Batman Gotham Demon one, which demonizes Batman and makes him looks you know uh, skull like and so uh, very uh, i guess negative type of uh, images for these particular t-shirts um which is like the propaganda i guess against uh the superheroes from people who are uh, a, you know anti uh, anti you know superheroes
1: yeah it's interesting that they would release those i know that it's part of what we've seen on some of the posters and things but mm-hmm. um who I'm, I don't know that I want to wear those. I'm not no. sure, you know, who will want to, other than maybe people who work on the movie, walking yeah. around, uh, you know, or being, you know, uh, doing press or something like that. Because it doesn't, it's obviously doesn't paint either hero at it. So if you're a fan of either, I guess you could wear the bad Superman if you're a fan of Batman and vice versa. But it seems very, as you say, negative, and I'm mm. not sure. I'm not sure who the. Uh, market is for that.
0: Yeah, it seems like an odd choice of uh, merchandising. Uh, and I guess, you know, a company like I've never heard of Merchoid before, so maybe uh, they decided to help manufacture them because it was, uh, you know, something that they could get a hold of and it was open to them. Where graffiti designs will obviously go for the more uh, marketable images like the logos, the, the standard logos, and the images that our fans will wear. Uh, so it's a, an odd choice, but I guess uh, it's got us talking. So uh, perhaps yeah. it's uh, something that uh, will get them a bit of publicity uh, So that's really where we're at With uh, some of the merchandise coming out For Batman v Superman As I said, action figures, uh, t-shirts uh, Some bed bedding uh, covers and-, and pillowcases Stuff like that uh, All out there available Coming out to the first quarter of 2016, I believe
1: Very exciting Our, Again, remembering with Man of Steel What do I want to get? What am I looking at? I wish money was no object because I'd just get one of everything.
0: <laughs> you and me both. And now we did get a, a, a before we move on to Supergirl and talking about TV stuff. We did get a, a bit of fan mail in response to uh, something that we spoke about in our last podcast. Uh, Thomas Ng uh, from Denmark uh, got in touch with us, and uh, I'll, I'll leave it to you to read his uh, his letter, Scotty, because uh, it was in reference to something we were talking about last month.
1: Hello, Steve and Scotty V. Having listened to your conversation in the October edition of Radio KAL about the possible retrofitting of the Wayne Tower collapsing in the Batman vs Superman trailer, you seem to agree that the building was actually under construction. But having just revisited the movie at the 2 hours, 2 minute and 42 second mark, it is clear that the floor Cal was hurled into and where Zod unleashes his heat vision was fully furnished with office equipment. And furthermore, the building, when collapsing, looked fully furnished with glass facades. The unfinished building under construction with bare steel bearings is visible in the scene after the Lex oil tank explodes at the two hour, four minute and 36 second mark. That's also the scene where Zod abandons his battle armor. So to summarize, the BVS trailer scene is 100% okay and not retrofitted. I think this was an important detail to show that the continuity is actually okay. This is not a criticism. Keep up the great work. You both do. I always enjoy listening to the podcast and Radio KAL Live as well. Looking very very much forward to BVS. Best regards, Thomas N.G. from Denmark.
0: Well, thank you, Thomas, uh, for clarifying that. I guess you and I were probably uh, confusing or remembering the... uh the uh still uh you know where he was where he comes swinging with the still um i beam uh at superman as being the same time as when he unleashes his heat vision
1: well i know that um there was i i, I did remember that there was office furniture in there and, and there were some um signs on the wall i think there's even uh, some sort of a call batman sign you know those yeah. those posters that uh, say you know keep panic. calm or whatever yeah, yeah. uh so I did I do remember seeing that but I also it also seemed to me that the building was empty and maybe some floors were under construction uh, but you're right I, I guess the where Zod takes off his armor is a different building altogether mm-hmm. I don't know that I was confusing the two of those but I did it did seem I didn't see any people uh, it did seem like the building they were in also was empty at least
0: mm, true very true but uh it could definitely be the Wayne building and just maybe a floor that People had already vacated, but uh thank you uh Thomas for that letter. All right, let's move on to Supergirl. Now we obviously had spoken about the pilot episode and since our podcast uh further episodes have aired. Uh episode two, uh Stronger Together uh is the uh the, the second episode of the first season and we saw some uh more well, some some great action, some great character development. And a very interesting development with Hank Henshaw.
1: Absolutely. We had the, the glowing red eyes, whom a lot of fans strangely are uh, hoping for Martian Manhunter. I don't
0: know if you <laughs> I you've think heard Michael that. Bailey yeah, came up with that, uh, uh, yeah. with that idea.
1: Yeah, he mentioned it. Um, and I've heard it, you know, at least there. But uh, I thought other places as well. And I guess it seems to me that from my point of view, And if I'm completely wrong, I guess I'll have egg on my face. But I feel like the only reason that Martian Manhunter is fresh in people's minds in that kind of mode is because Jackie Childs from Seinfeld played Martian Manhunter on Smallville and was black and had red glowing eyes. Uh, Other than that, there, to me, seems to be no uh, relate, no. uh, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Connection. Uh, it doesn't seem like there's any resemblance to Martian Manhunter with this Hank Henshaw character on on Supergirl.
0: Yeah, I guess the red eyes is the only thing uh, as well that kind of perhaps and and with the fact that uh, Martian Manhunter is a shapeshifter um you know, and it could he could resemble whoever he wants. Uh so it's um it's a stretch but and uh, there may be something in the episode that you and I have uh, yet to see, which is being uh, aired on the, the pretty much the day that we're recording this, which is the Monday, uh, November 23rd, and um, so we haven't watched the How Does She Do It episode, where maybe there is something that's revealed uh, about Hank Henshaw, but um, it's, look, I was really interested to see the second episode because of the fact that having seen the pilot so long ago and I'd watched it online when it leaked and, and it was like months had gone by in between that episode and it felt like I'd watched a movie because it was the pilot and it was, you know, it just felt like a a movie um, event of itself. And so knowing the fact that there would be more episodes coming was kind of exciting. So episode two was exciting for me because it was like, yeah, it's not just the movie that, like, man, still you watch it and then you discuss it for months afterwards. It's... It's you know it's a it's an episodic thing that we're getting into here, and so uh, episode two was um, was was great for me. It, it, it created a lot of excitement to be able to know that this was the first or the second, if you like, in a series of episodes that we're about to watch week after week.
1: Yeah, I mean it's great. I I love having an, another. Uh, it's been a while since Smallville, and 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 uh, you and I both know how we eventually felt about that. Mm-hmm. And there were great things there, and I and I am starting to see some great things here, and I hope that it continues. And, and as far as the Hank Henshaw thing, even with uh, the the next episode, Flight or Flight, uh, Fight or Flight, which we'll we'll get to, there was some more development there with him uh, seemingly uh, reading someone's mind, uh, Alex's mind, or or it seemed. I think that the the Martian Manhunter camp is saying, well, he knew she was in there because he could read her mind, he could sense her. That's something Martian Manhunter could do. When I saw it, I, since I know who Hank Henshaw is, and a lot of casual viewers don't know that Hank Henshaw is another character, the Cyborg Superman would be able to sense the computer equipment being searched, the uh, the, the actual uh, mechanical stuff going on. So, So we have the possibility that Martian Manhunter is reading a human mind, but then we also have the other possibility that the Hank Henshaw character, who does have glowing eyes, who has seemingly already been transformed in some way, it could have been sensing the uh, computer equipment going on because uh, the the cyborg Superman is technological mm. in you in, know in, in base.
0: Yeah, very true. Very interesting to see what happens there. As you mentioned, "Fight or Flight" was the third episode, and in this this one, Supergirl's powers are tested. When she comes up against Reactron, who was uh, is described as being a formidable enemy of Superman's, and the episode was very interesting because you know it's an ep- it's a it's a villain that Superman hasn't been able to or hasn't you know in the past um, negated. It's someone who's still at large, and that's interesting because Reactron actually appeared I think in the comic books first as a Supergirl villain, and here they've got him as a Superman villain, and uh, Superman makes a pretty reasonable uh showing in this episode um in a way uh that I think is well done and in a way that um him uh, as Clark Kent and Kara uh really come together in a form of a, a you know modern text chat scenario which I think was also quite well done and kind of put a bit of a lump to the throat
1: yeah I was definitely very emotional at that part I thought it was real cool it was it was bringing character to A character who's not seen who isn't cast who doesn't have an actor and who doesn't speak Um, but you could you could sense his personality through the text you could tell that he was proud of her you could tell that he was genuinely pleased you know normally a lot of times I get into discussions with someone over text and sometimes they misunderstand something and they get their feelings hurt or something and then I explain it to them later and they go, oh, I read it this way or I thought yeah, it this yeah. way or or maybe they're still not sure if I'm telling the truth or not. And I really did mean it in another way, but I'm trying to change it now. Uh, with text, it's often very difficult to tell what someone is feeling or what they're actually trying to say. But I felt it was very clear and it wasn't like Clark was going, great job. You know, you did something I couldn't do. It's like Clark is very genuine and really doesn't care if somebody's able to do something that he wasn't able to do he's just glad it got done, and he's proud of her for doing it and and he feels good about it It's not you know where you whereas you or I would say and I do say it doesn't make any sense that with all his experience and all the time he's been fighting this the Reactron, and several times he's faced them, and they've only fought to a standstill, and he just let him go, and he was at large all this time. But then, Supergirl, who has no experience and is very young and doesn't really understand the extent of all her powers and doesn't know this Reactron and has never faced him before, is somehow very quickly able to defeat him. So, as much as that might not make sense from a story point of view or from a fan point of view, from Clark's point of view, Uh, It makes total sense. Supergirl, he knows he's probably been watching her and checking up on her through her life. I hope so anyway. And I think they could have helped themselves by including a scene maybe where she she says to Jimmy or something. Yeah, I've always felt that I've had a guardian angel or they could have shown him hovering above when the plane was crashing because it never makes sense to me in any of these situations where a lot of people are about to die. There's a plane going down. It's very highly publicized. It's on the news. They're talking about it for minutes that Superman could get there in a second but doesn't come. And since he knows and since James said he wanted you to choose this for yourself, that means that he didn't know if she was going to choose it yet, but he was just going to let all hell break loose Mm. uh, in, in her city and let the plane crash and just hope that she decided to choose it. But on the other hand, if they had shown him hovering up there or if it had been mentioned later or if he had said saw you save that plane good job that maybe we'd get a better sense of the idea that superman's there he's waiting to jump in if it should like if she was unable to stop the plane he was there uh would have been nice to see i know they don't want superman to be overly involved i know they don't want her to be saved every time yeah. i know they don't want him to come in and stop things from happening every time but the fact that he doesn't is harder to swallow just because it, for, seemingly she's very inexperienced. She's very afraid. She doesn't really know what to do with her powers. And he has tons of experience. So for him to just butt out and have all these things happen doesn't make a lot of sense. So when they do something like this with reactron and they show that he's around, even though James had to call him, it, it's better. At least we know that he's paying attention and he's ready to jump in if he has to, but he has a lot of confidence in, in Kara as is evidenced by the conversation at the end where as i say whereas you or i might go "Uh, i don't know if i buy that she's able to do it when he wasn't that bothers me because i'm a superman fan superman wasn't bothered by it at all he found it to be a happy time he was proud of his cousin and he knew she could do it and he didn't care that she did it and he couldn't
0: yeah no exactly i thought it was uh well handled. Um, it was the elephant in the room that needed to be discussed about where Superman is, why doesn't he involve himself? And I thought they handled it well, and they got it out of the way in an early episode. Okay, probably people would have liked to have seen it earlier or were talking about it earlier, and it was obvious that it, you know, he ha- hadn't been around earlier. But uh, I guess they had needed to deal with it in their own time, and it, it was dealt with uh, in a in a way that I felt was um, well handled and felt true. And I, I was quite a, emotional as a Superman fan to to see that reaction and that conversation between them uh, in a text-based conversation. I thought it was really well done, and uh, I liked the uh, you know the, the discussions and the mentions of Clark and Lois and all the other you know characters from Metropolis uh, in this particular episode and the way it was handled. So uh, well done. Uh, that was fight or flight. Now we then move on to a very interesting circumstance where. Uh, what was supposed to be the episode for How Does She Do It was rescheduled and pushed back a week, and episode five was put in its place, titled Livewire, due to the fact that in the world, sadly, there were terror attacks involving bombings, uh, both obviously mainly in France, as far as everyone knew, and also in in Beirut, in Lebanon, that um, dealt with, uh, and this episode, How Does She Do It?, Dealt with bombings and and uh, I guess uh, subject matter that was deemed to be poorly timed as far as maybe inappropriate because of what had happened in the world and the uh, the powers that be decided to bump that episode aside for a week, push it back a week, and instead put the live wire episode in its place. Um, I guess it kind of made things a little bit difficult because of. There were elements to the James and uh, Lucy Lane relationship that needed to be dealt with and would be dealt with in How Does She Do It that were then moved forward in Livewire. But it didn't do too much harm as far as being able for us to follow what was happening where we were. Not too much had happened on the character development side of things. I guess that it was impossible for us to go or, you know, that it took you out of the episode and made you go, huh? How did that happen? When did that happen? Um, So a lot of fans might not have known that there was a rescheduling or a shuffling of the episode. So they'll be watching it going, oh, gee, that was quick for James and Lucy to to go away together. And, um, you know, that's an interesting development, but it will be played out in How Does She Do It?, which was episode four in the schedule, but, ended up airing as Episode 5 in the way things were run. Um, Livewire, the character, uh, was really, really well handled. Uh, Leslie Willis, shock jock, similar to the Superman the Animated Series. Uh, in this case, she's uh, working under the Cat Grant or CatCo umbrella and is uh, directly employed by Cat Grant, who obviously isn't happy with the fact that she's uh, attacking Supergirl as a character because of the fact that Supergirl and CatCo uh, so synonymous with each other, having named her as Supergirl, Cat uh, Grant feels some ownership, I guess, of, of the Supergirl character. So for one of her subsidiaries to be uh, bad mouthing Supergirl, kind of came off uh, as, a, as something that Cat uh, wasn't happy with. And um, I thought the development from Leslie Willis to Livewire was a little bit quick, but uh, she got a handle of her powers very quickly. But uh, look, you know you've got a 42-minute episode taking out the ads or whatever, so you're going to have to try to move things along pretty quickly to get to the the villain. And I thought it was well handled. I, I thought the uh, mother-daughter relationships in this episode were really well played out. That was a theme that was not just with Kara and uh, and Alex and their adopted or and their mother or Alex's mother, uh, who was obviously played by Helen Slater, but also with Kat... Uh, talking about her mother and, uh, and Livewire and the way that Kat is almost like a motherly figure to her and Kara and Kat's relationship being almost like a motherly-daughterly thing as well going on there. So I thought that whole thing was well played out in this episode.
1: Wow, you really said a mouthful there.
0: Yeah, I did. Sorry. i got
1: to try and like – because there were a lot of things you said that I want to try to address. Okay. Uh, here's nice. what I like about uh, the Livewire thing. i, I, I and the animated series, when she first made her appearance, and I don't know if a lot of people know or if everybody knows, but uh, Livewire was created for the animated series and mm-hmm. only the animated series, and I guess they then later decided to introduce her into the comics. Uh, I don't think she was ever as popular as uh, Harlequin, Not. who was introduced the same way, but they did it, and she's been in lots of comics since then, and and uh, she's been on Smallville, and she's now on this show. I like that they still use the same type they still used her as what she was when she first was introduced back then. What I would have liked to see is, uh, and it's harder to do on episodic television than you know, if you were on a show like Breaking Bad or Walking Dead or even Daredevil on on Netflix, you can. It's serialized, so in episode three or in episode four, they could have shown her or had her be around, right? And maybe have the accident happen at the end of the episode or something during a battle. And then have her come back in episode six as Livewire and do that then so that it wasn't just introduce her, have her change into Livewire, have her know her powers and get right into it, as you say, because it's only a 42-minute episode. Uh, It might have been – it could have been better maybe spliced throughout a few episodes to where we got to know Leslie Willis as a personality and obviously we wouldn't like her because of the things she says. But then then she became the villain after the fact mm. in another episode. That could have been something that another show might have done. Uh, but the mother-daughter thing, here's, here's a problem that I've heard in some critiques of the show and from some fans. It's very... You know, pro fem, you know, feminist, and uh, that's good. You know, we have a we have a, f- a female hero. We're we're showing her as being just as good or better than the males. Uh, in the case of 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 fight or flight, we were shown that she's better than Superman, even though she's only been around for two days, and and Superman isn't needed because he can't stop a guy that she stopped after a half a fight and then uh, another fight. Uh, but so so they're going to great pains to show us. She doesn't want him. She doesn't need him. She doesn't want to be like him. She doesn't respect him. She doesn't care about him. She doesn't like him at all. She doesn't want him involved in her life. And she, she doesn't even like the way he goes about doing his job because he doesn't keep friends around him. All of which is untrue uh, because he does have friends. Jimmy was always there. Lois was always there. You know, he had Professor Hamilton. He's got scientist people, too. So in the Reactron episode... They should have been able to come up with the same idea that the scientists in the alien specialty unit came up with in National City. But they, they you know, because they need to get past Superman, they just said, well, he was never able to figure it out. He's just a dumb brawler. And they just fought each other to a standstill every time. But Supergirl and her team of scientist friends are smart enough to stop because she's a female and she's just as good or better than all the men. Same thing seems to be happening, and I'm hearing from fans and critics that it seems to be that they're really pushing the idea that men are just not important in this Supergirl universe. Uh, her dad was mentioned one time. We don't see him anymore. uh Alora's in all of the uh, recordings. Alora's the one that they make. And now, uh, to be fair, Jor-El was the guy who got all the play in the Superman side, and I never liked that either. I think it should be a little more even. And they both had a mother and father. Same thing with her Earth parents now. Uh, we're seeing helen slater so so we're seeing uh Danvers come but only the female Danvers. Why? Uh, because they really have, it's really at the forefront of their minds that this has to be a female driven show. You know, you got Kat, she's the other strong female personality, even if I think she's way over the top. And I haven't really seen any realistic human qualities from her. Um, but then you have Kara and then you have these other kind of goofy male people around her. James is okay. Cause he's very strong and very confident, And and very important in her life. And I guess we're going to have this new guy, uh, Cameron Chase or whatever, who might be uh, or Adam Foster, somebody who might be a, uh, you know, a romantic interest for her, even though I thought she was romantically interested in James. But it seems like they're they're overdoing it and maybe trying too hard with the uh, uh, females don't need any men around them and they're better or just as good without them.
0: Yeah, I, I guess I can see that criticism there, and to be fair, in the Livewire episode, Dean Kane did play a very important role and we find out now that he sacrificed himself uh for so that the DEO wouldn't take Kara as a young girl and instead uh it took him and his knowledge of Superman uh to you know to their benefit and uh, to let Kara live and grow up as a you know a young girl. Uh so we will see more of Dean Kane and there's obviously that underlying um, I guess mistrust now between both Kara and Alex towards uh, uh, Hank Henshaw because of the fact that he was there at that early stage and he did take their father and uh, we don't know what ended up happening to Dean Cain's character, Jeremiah. So uh, we now oh. have this uh, very interesting underlying uh, thread between uh, the girls and uh, Hank Henshaw and, uh, you know, them trying to find out what he knows and what he did to to their father.
1: Okay. Well, that goes back to what I was saying before then. They could have had threads with Leslie Willis and Livewire Mm. before they got to her discovering of her power because they seem able to, or at least they planned it out. Uh, I'll sound like an idiot if you listen to what I just said before you hear me say this. I didn't yet watch the Livewire episode, so I haven't seen Dean Kane's actual involvement. I've only seen the previews, and in the previews, they make it a big mother thing. And, and you yourself just mentioned that it was a whole mother, mm-hmm. the whole episode was about mothers and daughters. So I didn't get the impression that Dean Kane was going to be involved at all. And uh, like I said, her Kryptonian father, Zorel, and Dean Kane were only shown in very limited uh, cameo type roles in the very beginning, and I haven't seen them again. So it's good to know that. I'm wrong there, but I didn't see the episode, so that's yeah. why it no, sounded like least. I didn't know.
0: <laughs> Not a problem. Now, we both haven't seen How Does She Do It, which, as I said, was supposed to be episode four, but now uh, aired as episode five. Uh, it's uh, airing uh, as we're recording this episode on a Monday night, and uh, this podcast gets released on the Wednesday, so. Uh, we will talk about that next time we get together, but uh now, before as a, you
1: move on to yeah. this, you just reminded me of something else you talked about in your long thing that i didn 't remember, and that is I know a lot of people go on shows that 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 where they 're the fan of and i'm i 'm fan i 'm a fan of all things Superman, I love the supergirl show, I love the super family, but that doesn 't mean i can 't I can't have a critical eye or go in the opposite direction of where you think I might go. And I think sometimes people who listen to me say all he is is negative. All he does is complain, which I find untrue. But what I do try to do is is have a uh, – and, 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 and what's the word now I'm looking for? Sorry. Uh, objective. I try to have an objective view
2: mm-hmm.
1: even if it's something I love. And does it seem – It just seems like it's still kind of early if the idea was we need to move this episode because the timing of it is off and it's just not in good taste to show an episode about bombings. It's a week later and Mm. uh, Paris is still on the cover of every newspaper. Mm. Uh, It's still on every news broadcast. We're still talking about it. As you mentioned, uh, Beirut is still – this stuff still just happened. And, and and we're still dealing with it and we're still talking in America about what we need to do now and do we need to cancel all visas and do we need to make sure that people who haven't gotten their visas renewed go to jail or get kicked right out of here. They're trying to make – they're talking about making sweeping changes uh, because of something that just happened a little over a week ago. And what I thought was great in the beginning was that it was very sensitive and it, it made a lot of sense to – Not play the bombing episode last week, but then they play it one week later.
0: Yeah, I understand your concern there, and I guess it's maybe it's came down to what was feasible, what was uh, the public um, reception to the shuffle, whether people were open to the idea of having it on. Maybe they saw other TV shows that dealt with similar themes, still went ahead and aired, and so um, you know they thought, oh well, you know, everybody else is doing it, nobody really. Seems to have a problem with us putting it on. Uh, We need to do it. Um, You know, we can't, we can't not have this episode air now because it just won't make sense in the greater scheme of things to put it later on. And um, yeah, I don't know the reasoning behind why you go ahead and air it this week. What's the difference between one week or the next? But um, I guess they decided it was it was still relevant and uh, you know not deemed to be uh, too. Um, touch your subject, I guess, a week later.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure it's, you know, Supergirl is very light and and things yeah. are kind of handled in a jokey way, even if it's a bad guy situation and she goes in and punches him down and it's real cool and, you know, all the girl power and all that. But uh, it, it was interesting because I think they're going to be going into a hiatus here at least for a week or two for Thanksgiving, probably, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or then with holidays coming up, it almost. I, what I thought initially was that they just weren't ever going to air it.
0: Yeah, it might well, you know, go on, on the or something. DVD
1: set or yeah. whatever. But uh, uh, the other thing that I and we haven't seen it yet. Um, since they had some time, it seems like they could do one of those things they used to do it on Smallville a lot, and it was copied from other shows before that, where they'd start the scene saying, you know, three weeks ago, or thirty-six hours ago, or right. seventy-two hours. And then kind of – so it could, they could use it as kind of a narrative device where, yes, we, we showed that James and, and Lucy were moving forward on a huge out-of-town date, but this is why it happened as opposed to, well, we skipped an episode, but here it is. Um, kind of show it almost as if it was planned that way, kind of like, wow, how did we get here? Oh, mm. let's show you but i don 't know if they would do something like that or not, yeah. but it seems like they they certainly had time to put in captions or even change scenes around to make it seem more like they were telling a an actual planned out narrative
0: but mm, yeah we 'll never know what the thought process was behind that now, as you mentioned uh we are we have got other episodes coming up, and uh before we get into some casting announcement that they made, I guess we should touch on the episodes that we do know about beyond. Um, How does she do it? And uh, the first one after that, I believe, is Red-Faced, which uh, introduces the cyborg character of Red Tornado. Now, the description for Red-Faced is as such. Personal and professional stress get the better of Kara when she goes too far during a training exercise against Red Tornado, a military cyborg commissioned by Lucy Lane's father, General Sam Lane. Also, Kat's tough exterior is shaken by a visit from her judgmental mother, Catherine and Alex and enlists Wynne to look into her father's mysterious death, and that will air on Monday, November 30th. So, uh, interesting episode coming up. I know a lot of people have said some negative things about the way a Red to- Tornado looks, but we'll have to wait and see how that plays out in a visual context, in a moving visual context. But um, He definitely uh,
1: looks silly in the pictures. Yeah. It looks like he's wearing big giant astronaut gloves and you know uh put some cardboard (laughs) on his chest and i'm sure in in the lighting of the show it'll look better and of course uh it may i guess it is a first model type of a robotic android thing so Mm. maybe it's a little clunky who knows but uh, i i can tell from some of the imagery that it definitely appears that they're going to be fighting each other as the enemy of the week
2: Mm -hmm. uh,
1: but hopefully that won't last and and they'll learn that uh, each other is is not the enemy
0: Yeah, exactly. Now, the next one after that is titled Human for a Day, Episode 7, and that will air on December 7th. And the description for that is, Kara and her friends must rely on their inner strength and courage when an earthquake strikes National City. Also, Alex's mistrust of Hank reaches a breaking point when the earthquake traps them in the DEO with Jem, a powerful alien escapee. Now, obviously, in this episode, titled Human for a Day, and seeing the photos that we have with Kara with her arm in a, a sling we're guessing that Kara loses her powers for a day
1: yeah i mean i think i i mentioned this somewhere and it seems as though every one of these types of shows does this at mm-hmm. least once yep. oftentimes twice and in the case of smallville like 12 or 14 times um, where uh, for some reason uh, clark or in this case Kara. Uh, loses their powers and becomes quote-unquote human for a day or however long they decide they want it to be it seems like something that i guess people like to see or like to see how they deal with it i mean i think the show has already done and depending on your point of view an incredible or a horrible job of showing how regular humans can be equal with a super-powered kryptonian because It seems like almost every week they have Alex beat up Supergirl, and every other week they have people shooting her out of the sky with uh, kryptonite darts, so it doesn't really seem like she's all that far advanced from what we are as a human race, so I don't even know why anybody would necessarily think that Superman or Supergirl is any better equipped to handle any of these situations when it seems like the human element is the one that, that comes up with the deciding factor or is able to take Supergirl out or take her into a room and turn on... And why is Kryptonite available everywhere all the time? Um, uh, and take her into a room and just beat her down and show her that she's nothing.
0: <laughs> yeah, get your point. There uh, There does seem to be... The, the human element seems to be a very uh, topical uh, point throughout all the episodes because it's usually uh Kara's humanity that allows her to win the day as well uh you know understanding how you know what's right and what's wrong and how people work and how things happen and and that's kind of usually what uh is at the forefront of her mind when she comes through to win the day but uh here it's it's all about um you know her dealing with the fact that she doesn't have superpowers that she can be sick that she can be hurt and uh you know she can't speed around she can't fly and and I guess for her, that really hasn't been a problem because for, what is it, 13 years of her life, she kind of suppressed all those super strength and she didn't fly for a long time. And so uh, maybe it's the fact that now she's become used to those powers and is has been free to use them, that now that they're taken away for her for a day that she's going to uh, really miss them. But um, it does seem a bit odd timing because, as we said, uh, she hasn't had or come into her powers Or started using her powers uh, until recently.
1: Well, even though she hadn't, you know, she was in hiding because I guess the people who raised her, I mean, I don't know why, if the Danvers were still involved with Clark, and I don't know since when that was, I don't know what happened to Martha and Jonathan, but um, why they would try and suppress her. But certainly Alex told her she needs to stay hidden. Mm. And maybe it has something to do with the fact that Jeremiah was taken or abducted or something so long ago. So they're they're you know, they're, they're afraid for her to come out as who she is. But certainly even in hiding her powers, if an iron fell off a shelf on her head, it wouldn't hurt her. But now of course she's going to notice because she can stub her toe, which I do like six times a day. (laughs) So, so she's never done it. Or when she does, she knocks the table across the room by accident. So in this case, anything she bumps into is going to hurt her where yeah. she's never really been hurt. So, uh, And I see why that's an interesting story to tell and why they do it on every show. Um, it seems a little early, as you say.
0: Yeah. Now, the other interesting uh, element from that story uh, description was Jem, the alien who, in the comic books, is the son of Saturn uh, and uh, is uh, now the very first live-action uh, version of this character come to life in the episode of Supergirl.
1: I, I like, I do like, uh, even though it does seem rushed a lot, I do like the idea of, like, the Flash show. Uh, they really just get into comic book superhero action right away. Yeah. They have these other characters. They don't really even explain like, Reactron was just there. That's it. He's there. He's Reactron. He's a supervillain. There was no, like, did he fall in the vat? Did Batman push him in? Did he hold him up from there? Did his face get all melted? Did he become the Joker? No, he just is. He's here, he's a bad guy, he fought Deal Superman with a few times, now he's fighting with you. Because we're in that world and they just put us right in it right away. We know there are superpowered beings, we know there are supervillains, we know that there's a superhero, and we just want to see those things happen. Not like some other shows, you know, and I can't really think of one off the bat that might take, you know. 10 years or something to get to a point where somebody might fly around and be a superhero. Uh, no, this is getting right right off the bat, and I loved it.
0: Yeah, no, I, I love it too. Now, some casting announcements, as I said, happened this path, past month. Uh, we had, uh, first off, Emma Caulfield cast in the role of Cameron Chase. And now uh, Cameron Chase's father was uh, violently murdered. And since that day, she decided to dedicate her life to law enforcement. Now she's a stern, no-holds-barred FBI agent. And uh, her weapon of choice is manipulation and manpower. Uh, With little sympathy and plenty of suspicion, she pursues her targets with ruthless determination. So uh, uh, um, an interesting character, an FBI agent, introduced to the world of Supergirl in an upcoming episode. Very cool. Now, beyond that, we have Tawny Cypress, has been cast in the role of um, Senator Miranda Crane. Now, uh, Miranda Crane's character is described as uh, Senator Crane finds herself, or she's described as being a uh, an anti alien governor uh, senator who uh, has been, you know, peddling her anti alien beliefs to try to get votes. And she says that in this episode that she will be in, uh, Senator Crane finds herself on the other side of the issue. When her visit to National City is interrupted by an alien attack, forcing her to possibly accept help from Supergirl, who, as we know, is an extraterrestrial.
1: Ooh. Well, when you first hear it, you go, oh, another anti-alien. We got the whole Batman v Superman coming up, which seems to be all about that. We got what's going on in the Superman comics right now, which is all about that. We've got Hank Henshaw and the anti-alien division uh, that he works for that's all about that. And Now we have another character coming on who's all about that. But uh, maybe she'll get some redemption if she's going to change her mind midway through.
0: <laughs> maybe. Now the uh, the other interesting um casting announcement we have is Blake Jenner, who, for those who don't know, is actually um, Melissa Benoit's real-life husband. Uh, They were former co-stars on Glee uh, and have since married in real life uh, since that show aired. And now he will portray Adam Foster, a handsome stranger from Cat Grant's past, whose arrival in National City tests Cara and Cat's relationship like never before. At the same time, Adam and Kara form a very unexpected connection. So uh, interesting to see her real-life husband appearing on the show.
1: Yeah, it's cool. And I don't know... You know, I, I hear this a lot uh, when we talk about, like, uh, Adam Sandler or something whose friends appear in almost every single movie. And right. other than that, they don't really do anything else. Um, do people... And I wouldn't think that Melissa Benoist has a super amount of power yet where she can tell the casting people who she wants in the show. But uh, is it possible that people on shows or people who are the star or people in movies can actually, you know, influence the idea of who might get, you know, I'm sure she must've had something to do with it. You know, she went and said, Oh, he'd be great. You got to bring him in, Uh, audition him, you know, please. Or something along, you know, it wasn't just random. Oh, who's this Blake Jenner cat. Let's bring him (laughs) in and see uh, who it might be. You know?
0: No, I'm sure there would have been some uh, influence there from her part. And the fact that they were former, glee co-stars would have had something to do with it too because uh i believe not that i ever watched the show but i believe that their two characters were r- romantically linked um but never got together and so uh here we may be able to see uh the two uh have some kind of romantic fling on the show i don't know but uh i gu- i guess there'd be the chemistry there because well they're married So uh, I imagine that would uh, that would help with on-screen chemistry.
1: Oh yes, I mean you know what happens too a lot is um, you, you hear it where you know Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie actually got yeah. involved with each other on the set of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It seems to happen a lot where two actors are thrown together romantically. And there really is actual chemistry there, and then you find out later that they're really dating. Mm. It's happened in a lot of the Twilight movies, uh, the people from that—I don't know who they are—but <laughs> that thing happened. It's happened in a lot of—I can't think of them all right now—but it, it happens. It's 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 a pretty common thing because you know a lot of times when you're acting, I think you bring up emotions and you bring up actual real feelings in order to in order to get your character across and in mm. order to make people believe what you're doing and it becomes very real even though it's not yep. and so a lot of times uh, i think real feelings get mixed in with what was supposed to be pretend and, and in some cases uh it works out really well i guess and and hopefully you know they'll have a happy marriage and and, and uh this will be one of those cases
0: let's hope all right let's move away into the comic book world of things and uh there, I guess a lot of people have been uh, waiting to to hear our thoughts, or maybe not, maybe a few of them, uh, uh, been waiting to hear our thoughts on two Super, Superman here, yeah, two of them, Superman, American Alien number one. Now this was the much hyped, much anticipated uh, series by Max Landis, the writer of some note, um, who uh, I guess came into the world of Superman uh, fans uh, when. Um, His video about the death of Superman went viral and he had a lot of negative things to say about that. But has since shown that he's a passionate Superman fan and has a lot of interesting thoughts on the character. And here he's got a chance to, uh, I guess, share some of those thoughts through a comic book series that uh, he's writing uh, with a a number of various artists, uh, illustrating and drawing uh, each different chapter. And the first one, uh, subtitled Dove, uh, sees... Uh, a young Clark Kent trying to come to the terms with the fact that he can defy gravity, that he's unable to control it at first, that it's scary. His parents, Martha and Jonathan Kent, are unsure how to deal with it. It's a real problem for him, and I thought this was a very emotional and uh, well-thought-out story that uh, I quite enjoyed.
1: I also enjoyed it, and but I enjoyed it differently than you. It's, it's, it's strange because the most recent incarnations of Superman, uh, Smallville, the comics these days um like you know uh, we assume lois and clark uh he doesn't come into his powers until he's well into his teens or at least starting his teens or closer to an adult in man of steel he doesn't fly until he's 33 years old Mm. um but then back in the day there were times when he was lifting his crib as an infant when he was uh, using heat vision so uh, there are there are different incarnations and and not just in different eras it seems like right at the same time we have several different incarnations of superman going on and now we have another one where in the comics currently he doesn't have either of his parents they died in a car accident but in this comic both of them seem to be still alive but were in a car accident but survived and as i say as as a as a boy a very young boy he's flying around and and getting into his uh, having his power you know when jonathan talks about uh don't worry the hook won't hurt him even though we're going 80 miles an hour. It's nothing can hurt him. So we're already at the point where he's invulnerable and and uh, he can fly, even though he can't control it. So we're looking at a a different kind of take on the same thing with Jonathan and Martha. Uh, seemingly, he becomes or is a lawyer of some kind. She's a veterinarian, things mm. that I've never seen either of them be in any incarnation before. And the most interesting, but also confounding thing I found, and it's very, it's extra bothersome because I don't think they're going to re- necessarily revisit it because Landis has said that these six or seven, however many stories it is, are six or seven separate stories at different points in his life, and right. it's not a continuation. Uh, or a, or a uh, serialized story. So that last page, which confounded me, uh, I, I don't know if we're going to understand what any of those notes meant or what happened or how the act, it looks as though Martha was pregnant uh, and lost the baby mm. and, and went into depression and was on all kinds of drugs. So in that way, I find it to be very negative view of the Kent's uh, which some people said is what's going on in the Man of Steel universe movie-wise. They're very negative. They're not They're not the beacon of light that, that you would think that they would be or that we've always seen the Kents to be in the life of Clark. Um, so that was a very strange – that last page for me, very hard to understand, but I think I get the impression, like I said. Um, and then I don't know what's going on with Jonathan's father or how he became a lawyer or what's happening with that. There was a fire somewhere. Just all on this last page, you know the story itself twenty six pages, very simple, you know it's drawn almost childlike it's almost like a coloring book and and what Max Landis was saying was that each book is going to have a different feel, a different artist because at different points in your life you feel differently, and those events look differently in your mind, so he wants to kind of show it that way and since this story was told from the point of view of like a nine year old it kind of looks nine year old ish it looks kind of teen titans ish. Uh, Cartoony, like the cartoon show. Um, And at first, I didn't think I was going to like it at all because it was very, again, a downer, very negative. Very, I hate who I am. I hate my powers. I'm an alien. Nobody likes me. Everyone's going to take me apart. They're going to take me away. I'm dangerous. Even Jonathan Ken at one point doesn't answer Martha when she asks, is it our son? So I was very bothered by the attitudes. Martha didn't seem to have that attitude, but I was bothered by Clark's attitude. It was another one of those angsty, and he's nine years old. He's not a teenager in high school like in Smallville. But that whole show was based on angst and how I wish I didn't have these powers. I wish I wasn't who I was. But then... I think it's the final page or the final two pages where suddenly it turns around and Clark loves everything about the fact that he can fly and he can take the places and it's so great and I can move so fast and I can get us anywhere and I can take us on vacation and we can do it for free and we can get there quick and we can come back and we can still make school and it'll be fantastic. That felt to me very much like the way Clark should feel about who he is and what he can do.
0: Yeah, well, I guess the whole problem with and the negative aspect comes from the fact that he can't control it and that it's scary for him because one minute... You know, his his mum's hanging off his foot precariously above the house, and he's like doesn't know how to save her, and he doesn't know whether he's going to float off into space, and so that would be very scary for a nine year old not being able to control. um, You know, yeah, but then there's the whole mirror
1: thing, and then there's the whole parents are going to take it. Yeah, it's
0: because of the fact that he's watching E. T. They're at the cinema watching, at the theatre, the drive-ins, whatever, and they're watching E. T. And there is this alien who's being, you know, having. Uh, problems and issues that Clark could very much v- relate to and identify with and so when he looks at it in the mirror he sees a, 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 an alien version of himself that's very much an ET type thing and so he's worried having watched that movie that that's what's going to happen to him that he's going to be dissected and he's going to be killed and that you know that uh, he'll have the same problems that ET had so I, I, I liked that and if you didn't notice you know the dialogue from that movie you might not have understood that it was et i think i know michael bailey thought that he saw that it was yoda that was staring back at him through the mirror and i totally got that it was et because of the fact that it was the the lines from the movie that uh was what they were watching and so um if you if that didn't uh if you didn't catch on to that then it might be a bit confusing to you
1: well, it did, definitely didn't register that it was ET. I, I didn't think it was Yoda either. I just thought it was a scary-looking, evil-looking alien looking back at him in the mirror when he looked at himself, uh, because he was having those negative feelings about who he is and what he is. And the movie, I just, I didn't think was a movie, uh, an actual movie. I just thought it was something they made up about an alien invasion and and uh, body of an alien that they had that they were dissecting. I didn't...
0: definitely ET. If you check out the dialogue, and if you've seen it as many times as I have, you, you'll know that it's ET. So yeah. uh, go back and look.
1: Yeah. I wasn't paying as much attention to that. I was, you know, uh uh trying to get to the Clark bubbles and, and what was going on and you know, I felt like that was a non sequitur kind of see the imagery, it's scary, I'm a scary
0: alien. Sure. No, I get where you're going with that. So uh yeah, all in all, I, I like the 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 where uh, they tried to hook him and the jumper ended up turning into uh a I guess a a version of the cape, uh, that the way it looked, uh being ripped and uh, hanging from his neck, uh, the red uh, red jumper or uh, pullover, so uh, with the blue shirt underneath. I thought that was a, quite an interesting image. And as you say, that last page was a little bit confusing, but I found myself really staring and, and examining all the different letters and notes and bulletins and things that were pinned up. And, um, you know, it, it was a, a very interesting image uh, and uh, probably left more questions than any that it answered. But... Um, Let's wait and see if this is a common thread throughout the different pages of the comic books that are coming up to see whether or not um, more of these kinds of questions are answered through uh, additional pages like this one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely spent more time on that final page than I did the rest of the book. And since comics is a a visual medium, uh, they do have dialogue and you can read it. A lot of times I do find myself skimming it very quickly and kind of gaining the story through the pictures and their facial expressions and seeing how and what happens. So even though I missed the E.T. thing, I still thought I got the general idea of what he was seeing, a scary situation where an alien might be dissected. Mm. And therefore, that same thing could happen to him. But, yeah, that last page uh, was very interesting.
0: Yeah, very interesting indeed. So, let's, as I said, let's wait and see where that takes us moving forward. All right, then we jump into Superman number 45. Now I don't know if you had a chance to uh, check out this particular comic, but um, Superman 45 uh, finds us uh, with uh, I, I, well, we have we have a cover that is by John Romita Jr., but the artwork is by Porter instead, and um, we have uh, Clark. Trying to get through all his, trying to figure out what's happening, trying to discover, you know, who the, the people are behind um, everything that's going on with him, hoarder root, and uh, and all that kind of stuff that's going on. And um, I, I, in this particular episode, he's, um, I guess, going behind the scenes, trying to find out what's happening. There's this whole, it was very confusing because he got this um, wrestler. This um, this house uh, one th- what was the name of the house that they were talking about? Uh, um, uh, just uh, I'm trying to look at the the name of the thousand house thousand one something. house oh. thousand one house. You've got a wrestler who uh, in Myth Brawl is the the name of the Myth Brawl. Yeah, um, I I just just kind of jumped all over the place. This comic book. I even looking back now, I'm just scanning through the pages, thinking oh, Half of this has already gone out of my head.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was, I had, I had tons of details. Even if I missed the ET thing, I mean, I really felt the last story. I understood where they were going with it. I got it, uh, and we had a lot to talk about in it. With this, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's the Romita influence, and I know he's not. You know, the, a what I have decided is that Romita Jr. is good at drawing covers that are just the face of someone and really good at drawing covers that are just half the face where the other half's in shadow of someone, but not the whole body and not the whole book. Forget about drawing the book and just draw covers of half a guy's face where the other side's in shadow and we'll be good to go from this point forward. So when I got to the first page and I saw, hey, this isn't Romita Jr.'s art, I immediately enjoyed the book more, but then the story was still kind of playing on a story I wasn't really feeling before, and that's mm, the whole uh, that Hodor cool. Prime or whatever the hell, uh, which I haven't liked really from the beginning, and I found it to be way out there and way far-fetched and just way crazy and just not that good. And now we got Superman in in a wrestling ring, brawling people. Yeah.
0: I, I don't like it. No, neither do I. And like I said, it, like, it wasn't that long ago that I read this story, this particular chapter, and... It's already kind of left my head. It just hasn't resonated with me. Um, it's, you know, the whole brawl, myth brawl thing and the Thousand and One House. It just came, all came out of nowhere. And it just was like, what am I reading? What is this all about? And why do I care?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's terrible.
0: Yeah. So we don't have really much to say about Superman number 45. Sadly, Jean um, Lewin Yang hasn't done a lot to impress me at this point in time. So uh, hopefully... Moving forward, things improve because at this rate um it's it's sad to see that this is where Superman comics are headed uh, it just doesn't um it's just not resonating with me as I said, and that 's sad because i want to try I want to enjoy the Superman books as much as I can yeah, I mean, I know
1: they're trying to go for the the downtrodden weakened brawler who doesn't even have the other half of his life anymore, and I know they're I guess trying to. Gain empathy for that character, whereas people were having such a hard time seeing the ultra-powerful uh, guy who doesn't really fit in with our view of who we are or who, who anybody we know is or, or something along those lines. But, And I'm okay with him having lost his powers. I, I like what's going on in action for the most part. But, uh, yeah, this brawler thing and wrestling and, and being angry because a, a guy said he'll put you down next time and making a quip to him about how he like he did before or whatever just doesn't seem like Superman to me.
0: No, I agree. All right, let's move on to Batman Superman number 26. And in this one we see Superman with uh, a number of the, uh, the Bat family out in Siberia uh, where they've followed the... Uh, um, the tracks of uh, Vandal Savage. Uh, there's these um, missiles that they're helping these uh, locals to decommission. Uh, at first, they don't trust them. They're not sure what to do because Vandal Savage is to them is all powerful, and they'll, he'll kill them if they, you know, change the plans or go against what he's got in mind. Uh, but Superman and the uh, the, the Bat crew uh, convince them otherwise. Even though Superman's not at full power, which at first. Is something that's a bit of a downer to the locals because they think, "Hey, Superman's here to save the day. You know, nothing's going to be able to stop him." But um, they obviously he's not at full power. He doesn't have uh, nearly a quarter of the power that uh, they know him to have. And the boy kind of uh, proves that by stabbing Superman with a fork multiple times, uh, which I found a bit <laughs> disturbing. But um, it was disturbing. <laughs> but then uh, Superman calls in. Batman, who, as we know, is not Bruce Wayne, but is Commissioner Gordon at this point in time, and um, they, un, uh, I guess, dig up or uh, reveal this uh, big Nazi war machine uh, under the snow.
1: <sighs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> again, not, not a whole lot of forward movement to the story. I, I guess I... I still like the idea of Superman trying to figure this out, trying to come up with a plan since he knows he can't handle it the way he might normally. Uh, but as you say, the kid with the fork was very disturbing. It seemed like at first he was so excited that Superman was there and he was like, Oh, can I just hang out with him for a while? And then he was staring at him and then suddenly he's stabbing him in the shoulder with a fork. And then later on when he was, when Superman was bleeding from the fork stabbing, I thought it was a little off because the fork wasn't bent or anything and and he's been shown to be holding up missiles over his head and still taking bullets yeah. and still getting punched by super powered beings, but a kid with a fork was able to pierce his skin and make him bleed so it seems a little unless he's lo- unless he's getting weaker and weaker, but then still in this in this very same book not long before that he was holding up that that entire missile and everything, but maybe that's not the same as invulnerable vulnerable skin, but it just seemed a little bit more extreme than what I would expect from a kid with a fork.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It just, it just, uh, seemed a bit odd, but, um, again, uh, I guess this story needs to play out a bit further before we can really judge it too much. The whole Vandal Savage thing. We know that there's Vandal Savage and Horder root and the, what's the other one? The shadowy person, um all behind this so uh there's obviously it's culminating into something uh down the track and uh i guess vandal savage is the first part of that to to play out we'll have to wait and see
1: well i want to point out again that they keep mentioning the the manufactured star that the uh gotham people have the, the, the you know uh bruce wayne's scientists came up with that now has been stolen uh and i mentioned this before i I can't if Superman doesn't get his powers back from this star, I'll be very, very surprised.
0: Yeah. Alright, we'll move on to action comics number forty six. And um in this particular comic, and uh by the way, I've got a i have got I love the variant cover on this one with Bugs Bunny. Uh <laughs> I thought that was awesome. I love the whole Looney Tunes variant covers uh as an aside. But uh in this one called uh Blind Justice Part Two, Into the Shadows, uh we have Superman dealing with the, I guess, infection, if you like, of this black shadow matter that's starting to overtake him. Um, there are certain people that, obviously, when it overtakes them, they go crazy and they go mad and they're, they're, they're just violent. But uh, Superman is, is kind of dealing with that, although there are a number of people, including uh, his friend um, skip Lee, who is able to um, uh, combat the, the black matter and is able to uh, not get angry and not uh, lose herself to the wrath that uh, it invokes. Uh, but this uh, Superman instead kind of takes it on board, absorbs it, and is able to use the shadow matter to uh, I guess teleport, if you like, from one shadow in one place to another shadow somewhere hundreds of miles away which I've found very bizarre and interesting, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, just uh, you know. Again, here he is in this particular comic, dealing with the with the shadow. Uh, what's this character called? I'm I'm not even sure of her name, but Well you uh, said,
1: Wrath before I believe Wrath, it's, yeah. Like, Wrath is her name.
0: And um, so uh, he's dealing with that and comes up against Frankenstein uh, at the end of this comic.
1: Yeah, I mean, very powerful forces as compared to a kid with a fork in the other episode. This is another case of timelines and where are we? And I'm not sure. It seems like by his power level that in Batman Superman, it's a little ways down the track and he's uh, even weaker than he is now. And in action comics, he's still a little more powerful so he can take on these shadow creatures and fight much more powerful forces uh, than a kid with a fork. So <laughs> I guess that's where we are. I don't know that the stories are connected. It seems like it seems like one's by itself. He mentioned shadow creatures, but he's not currently fighting them in the Batman Superman book. No. And he's clearly not hanging out with Batman and the Batman family waiting for uh, Vandal Savage to show up in the other book. So it's definitely they're, at, they're definitely out of time. Yeah. And they also seem very out of sync in terms of what his power levels are and what we can expect from him. And what I, what's a theme through all of these, Superman 45 being the worst, is that they're all very disjointed and kind of very everywhere all at once and with no real kind of settling down point or understanding of the story.
0: Yeah, and I guess that kind of really comes to the fore when you're Sitting as you and I are now, looking back over them in a, in a as a monthly thing, and realizing just how much certain stories resonated with you and others totally didn 't and which ones you remember and don 't even have to look through to remember how the story played out and other ones you really do because they just didn 't you know didn 't stick with you and um, and, and i 'm finding that interesting just sitting here trying to talk about these comics that really aren 't that long ago that I read them, but uh, nevertheless some of them. Stick with me, and others I'm going, oh, I can't even really remember reading this, so <laughs> either I was really tired at the time or it just is this story just isn't doing anything for me.
1: Well, I think what the problem is, and and people other than myself, I actually didn't complain about it until now. People have been complaining for years and years, way back in the 90s, when when the covers all had the numbered shield on them so that you would know uh, which issue came next in in story, even if you weren't reading them in order the other way. You would know where to read next to follow the story because some of them would jump to another book altogether, but they were all interconnected and interlaced. But people used to complain that, uh, or do complain now that, most of these stories are just a way to gather them all into a big book format so that you can sell it for a larger price later on, and they're not as interested in telling a coherent story month to month, which is true to an extent, but it's the same kind of thing when you have a serialized TV show, although there does seem to be more coherency in, say, a show like Breaking Bad, where each episode kind of does what it needs to do, but at the same time, they all tie together and tell a cohesive story, whereas Mm. with these, it seems like for a, a big portion of them, we're not going to get anything from it until we get to issue 10 or wherever it is that they're going to finally tie things together. And am I going to remember and go, Oh, that's why this was this. And that was that. Or am I just going to go, Oh, okay. It wraps up here. It seems almost like it's, they're either doing too much or they're trying to make too much more money later on by selling collected copies uh, and stretching it far too thin in terms of keeping our interest now.
0: Hmm. Definitely. So that's where we're at with the comic books. Uh, we'll wait and see uh, where they play out and how that this story plays out. Maybe by next month we'll have a bit more of an understanding of where things are at with the main Superman comic books. But uh, we'll wait and see. Um, all right, let's move away from comic books and talk about some merchandise. Uh, a Christopher Reeve 7-inch Superman figure has been released by NECA. Uh, it's, uh, it was interesting because it was like announced and released on the same day. It was no, there was no, uh, kind of, um, forewarning about these. Uh, they are $30, around $30 each and they also come packaged together with a DVD box set. Now you can either get it with, um, Man of Steel or you can get it with, um, I think it's, um, one of the animated movies. I'm not sure which one I'm just skipping at the moment, which one it is, but, um, there's also a DC Extreme Hero Clicks, Batman and Superman figure uh, sold separately that come with a different DVD collection. So uh, interesting to see uh, a Superman figure in the Christopher Reeve likeness in a 7-inch action figure format. Uh, very cool. A lot of people were very keen on this one.
1: Yeah, there are so many pieces of merchandise and so many figures and so many statues and so many uh, toys, if you will. I just, again, as I said earlier, I wish that money was just there and I could just grab it whenever I wanted and and, and be able to get all these things because I I, I like so many of them.
0: Yeah, so a lot of cool figures and things coming out. And this uh, particular Christopher Reeve Superman figure, as I said, captured a lot of attention from Superman fans who were looking for one uh, in this size. So uh, good to see that that has been released and is available out there. Uh, You can get it through the Warner Brothers uh, eBay store. So uh, check that out if you're interested. All right, before we move into the big questions segment of the month, uh wanted to m- make a mention of our 2015 Shield Awards. Now, we've been running these for 15 years now. This is our 15th Shield Awards ceremony where you, the fans, get to vote on uh, your opinions, on uh, place your opinions on a certain Categories regards to comic books with a 2015 cover date, uh, Superman-related movies, TV shows, merchandise, all released in 2015. As I said, there are 11 categories, and by going in and voting on our Shield Awards, you also go into the draw to win a copy of the Justice League Unlimited complete series on Blu-ray, thanks to Warner Brothers Archive Collection. So uh, you'll find the animated banner on our website at the top of the of the uh, of the website. The Shield Awards get voting. Voting closes on, uh, midnight on December 8th. So uh, get involved and uh, we'll bring you those tallies of those results in mid December.
1: Awesome.
2: Let's start with the big question.
1: And now it's time for the big question of the month. Last month's question was What do you think of the new Supergirl TV series so far? Uh, Ellen Stern fan. Wrote, I thought the Supergirl pilot was great. I watched it with my young kids and we had a great time. Already leaps and bounds ahead of the 1984 film. Can't wait to see more.
0: Yes, thank you, Ilan, uh, for your thoughts on that big question. Next up we have Arjun L who wrote, Hey, Stephen Scottio, I just love the new Supergirl show. I'm so glad to have something to watch that's not only Superman related, but also not all doom and gloom. The actors are all fantastic and charming, even Cat Grant in her own devious way. Hope this show succeeds, and I'm curious to see where it goes and what other characters from the DCU they bring in. I would love it if they brought in Crypto. Yeah, that would be cool.
1: Crypto would be cool. I wish they would have named that dog Crypto on Smallville. I mean, it just would have been nice instead of Shelley or Shelby or whatever the heck they decided to go with. Even if it wasn't the real Crypto, because it's pretty hard to pull off a slender white dog with a cape flying around in sure. National City, I, I would think. But, you know, as a as a you know, tip to the tip of the hat to the fans yeah. it would have been nice. That would have been uh true. Giles Savognu S yo How do you say that?
0: Uh, I'd guess Savage. <laughs> I know.
1: Savage Junior wrote Uh, Hey, why don't you send us an MP3 next month, uh, Giles, and then you could pronounce your name for us and we'll never say it wrong. Well, I can't really promise that, but we'll try never to say it wrong again. But Giles says the show is very, very good. It has the same feeling as the Flash TV show, and the actress who plays Supergirl is so charming. The storyline of the Jailbirds is good, and it's a good way to bring in the villain of the week.
0: Thank you, Giles or Giles appreciate your answer so we can't even get his first name right so we we'll hopefully we get in the second we're right. idiots <laughs> patrick o'neill our great sponsor he writes in saying i'm really enjoying the supergirl tv series they seem to have a real good grasp of the supergirl character melissa benoist was a fantastic choice for supergirl she plays the part perfectly hopefully if they relaunch the supergirl comic it'll be more in line with the show and less like the new 52 version which i was not a fan of Also, Superman is referenced quite a bit and it's mostly in a positive, respectful manner, which is always good to see. Thank you, Patrick. Appreciate your response on this big question.
1: Absolutely, and I do love uh, Melissa Benoist. I've I've said it many, many times. I think she's the, the complete embodiment of so much the way that Henry Cavill I thought was was great casting for for uh, Superman. But in this case, you just see so much more of her personality yeah. and charm shining through. And it's it's like I've said before: when TV is done well, it's so much better than movies because with a movie, like you said, you see it; it's two hours, and then you talk about it for years, and you see what you can find. And you but there's just only so much time for exposition and for character and for action and for everything that they need to put into a movie. Whereas we get to know these characters every week and we know more about them and they have dialogue and she makes these faces and she's just got this great personality that really shines. And I mm. totally agree with Patrick. And as far as the jailbirds from Giles up above... Uh, I'm a little dubious to that but I do realize like with Smallville everyone was like a meteor freaks every week you know but that was the thing that's how they wanted to create um you know mutants or metahumans if you will that's how they needed to s- somehow make us understand that there were supervillains so same kind of thing here but what I do like is that not every villain and not every week is one of the Phantom Zone escapees mm. what's strange is that if all these escapees came out 24 years ago or 20 year 18 year however long ago it was when she crashed what have they been waiting for all this time (laughs) and how and how is her aunt standing around going we just need to take her out of the way when superman's there in metropolis were they just gonna take over the world and pay no attention to him at all i know Mm. it's not his show again but it kind of needs to be brought up because they're just talking about how important it is to make sure they take out Kara because you know she's powerful but mm. then still superman to worry about and i don't know what they're laying and wait for though they, they, i mean i guess they're preparing but assuming they all had powers when they came out of the crashed prison what have they been doing all this time
0: <laughs> good point
1: where are they
0: good point what's in our new big question doom,
1: they're underneath the swamp they're like <laughs> in, the, right. in that big skull that building the skull battle. ship our new big question is what batman v superman merchandise are you most interested in collecting
0: Yeah, we've uh, spoken about some of the merchandise that's been announced and uh, will be released early next year. So let us know what what you're interested in most for the Batman v Superman movie, whether it's T-shirts, action figures posters, whatever it might be, we're keen to hear what you're most interested in collecting. Get involved with the Big Question segment of our show by clicking on the Big Question button found at the Superman homepage and send us your answer. We will read them out in our next podcast, or you could record your answer as an audio file, send it in as an MP3 file, and we'll play it here in our next podcast. I'm
1: laughing at you, you hear? Laughing! Steve Spence. Countless hours every month, searching the internets and searching the world. Uh, One time he was trekking across Addis Ababa with a backpack and uh, a team of wolves to make sure he was safe, trying to find us comedy, comedy sketches every month. And due to all that painstaking work, what, what pray tell, have you found for us this time around? Well,
0: thankfully in my searches, uh, it was actually Patrick O'Neill who came to my rescue and gave us this next comedy sketch for our show it's uh, from the Night League, uh, from FunnyOrDie.com, and we see Superman and Robin uh, with Batman out on the town. Superman's been doing a little bit more of a uh, little bit of mentoring with Robin, and uh, here we have uh, a funny sketch of Superman and Robin uh, spending some time together. <music> Wax off, greed. Wax on, wax off, greed. I hate it! Oh, that's in the Karate
2: Kid movie. The, the better 80s one. (laughs) What?! You mean he hasn't taught you how to do anything cool? Not even, like, the voice? No. And I'm really nervous about it, because what happens when I have to save somebody? I don't know what to do! Oh, man. Just, like, here, check this out. I'm Superman. I invented the night. I am Robin! Tell all of your friends about me! <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I wish I was a Kryptonian! You guys are awesome! Aw. You're not too bad yourself, kid. By the way, how, how did you land the Robin gig? My brother was the old Robin. He was killed by the juggalo. Oh. Jeez, I I'm sorry. Now he's a spectre. He told me that I had to catch the Juggalo or he was going to haunt me for the rest of eternity. Wow, God, I know a bunch of superheroes who would kill for an origin story like that, though. Really? You mean it? Wax on, wax off, breathe deep. You're going all the way, kid.
0: some funny stuff from the funny or people
1: funny or die often has a number of uh good videos. i saw one the other day that's probably not uh, uh appropriate for this <laughs> podcast but it's quite funny when batman and superman meet on the roof and superman wants a partnership and batman thinks it's stupid and it's it's very very funny so check that out if you if you're going to listen to this one and, and uh, enjoy it but uh very very funny stuff <laughs>
2: Only one thing alive with less than four legs can hear this frequency, Superman,
1: and that's you. Time for the super secret sound bite. Where did uh, last month's come from?
0: Well, last month's sound came from the pilot episode of Supergirl, and uh, I'm guessing a lot of people guessed where it was from, but sadly, only four people sent in their entries, and they were David Huang, Richard, sorry, Rick Ruiz, Ilan, and Patrick O'Neill. So, congrats to those four people. Uh, but job, let's hope, job. yeah, let's hope more people can get involved with the super secret soundbite segment of our show, and let's see if more people can guess where this new sound. Oh, actually, before we play the new sound, let's hear the old sound and see uh, how David, Rick, Ilan and Patrick guess where it came from. Here it is.
2: Oh, it's him.
0: Yeah, so that was the sound. So well done to those four people. Now let's hope uh, more people can get involved with the super secret soundbite segment and guess where in the world of Superman this new su- sound comes from.
2: I'm not really a sporty person. I can fly. I do do running and things.
0: Well, if you think you know where in the world of Superman that sound came from, use the super secret soundbite entry form found at the Superman homepage and send your entry in. Each person who guesses it right will have their name read out here on Radio KAL.
1: And now it's time for our Superman Song of the Month, which is once again entitled Superman. This one's by Jeff Strahan. It's from Jeff's Red Dirt Blues album, and it was sent to us by Lois Lane Strahan. Yes, that's her real name. Check out more of Jeff's music at jeffstrahan.com.
0: And here is his song, Superman. Superman.
2: I wish I could fly you Around night And take you up above The New York skyline I wish that I could take you For a quick trip around the moon And take your breath away While I'm holding on to you But you know Just a common man That loves you Right down to your soul You know I ain't no man of steel In fact I ain't That strong But I promise you I never do you wrong You be my Lost name, I'll be your Superman You. I, wish I could take you To the Northern Pole Show you some big palace And wrap you all in gold I wish that I could take Take away your pain Give you only sunshine When you're tired a man and loves you right down to your soul You know I ain't no man of steel In fact I ain't that strong But I promise you I'll never do you wrong You be my lowest lane I'll be your superman You. Tonight Wish I could hold you To the morning light Every day For the rest of my life I wish that I could protect you From all the bad things in this world Bounce bullets off my chest Tell the world You're my girl But you know I My lost name.
0: Well, there you have it. That is the song, and that is our show. Once again, thanks to uh, Lois Lane Strahan for allowing us to play Jeff's song here on Radio KL. Now, remember, if there is a song that you'd like us to play, if there's a a topic that you think Scotty and I need to discuss, maybe there's uh, a big question you'd like us to ask the fans out there, anything to do with our show, any suggestions that you have out there to make the show better, we're only too happy to hear from you. Uh, please, you can contact us using the KAL feedback form found at the Superman homepage, or you can send us an email. My email address is steve at supermanhomepage.com, or you can email Scotty at scotty at supermanhomepage.com, and we're only too happy to receive those suggestions. But for now, that is our show for November 26th. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you,
1: Steve, and remember, everyone, when you're flying around going higher and higher and you have your mom hanging from your foot and you just don't know if you're ever going to be able to make it down and you think everyone hates you because you watched E.T., always look up in the sky.
0: You've been listening to Radio KAL brought to you by supermanhomepage.com and our proud sponsor, Patrick O'Neill.